I want to talk for a few minutes about something that I believe is so very, very important. In, in, in this moment, we celebrate our independence. But do you realize that most of this Bible is not written just individualistically? It's written corporately. In other words, God wants to teach us how to do life together. We've been in a series of messages called Live Pentecost. A couple weeks ago, some of our young leaders in the church took the pulpit and shared five minutes each. And one of them talked about how Pentecost reverberates through the ages. It's passed from generation to generation. One of our young ladies, Morgan, got up and she talked about living daily Pentecost. How do you live daily Pentecost? In other words, how do you take Pentecost and not let it be an experience? Some place you mark on your calendar and say, wow, I remember that day when I experienced the fullness of the Spirit. What do you do when Thursday shows up after that day? God wants you to know how to live Pentecost on a regular basis. And so one of the things I want to talk about today is I want to pick up on this whole aspect that we live Pentecost together. That it's really about a corporate body that comes together to know how to make a difference in the world. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If there's ever been a time for the church to stand up, particularly in America, particularly in our culture right now, I believe God's calling believers everywhere to stand up and take their place. One of the things we've realized is that the greater the vacuum, the more things try to fill it. And I believe some of what we're facing in our world today is because the church has been content to sit down, sit back, and let other things fill the vacuum. But I believe God's raising up an army of people. If I got any help anywhere, somebody ought to hit your, hit your heart button right there. I believe God's raising up an army of people that are going to say, we're not going to let a vacuum exist any longer. We're going to believe that God's going to use us to fill the vacuum. And one of the things that happens is that Jesus said that when I go away, I'm going to send to you, watch the language, he said, I'm going to send to you another comforter. He didn't say a different comforter. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter. In other words, somebody just like me. In other words, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. He's not a different God. He's a part of the Godhead. And the word comforter, maybe that's a word you need today. Maybe you need the comforter to come to you. Maybe you've been in pain. You've been suffering. You feel disadvantaged, marginalized. Well, one of the things that the comforter, he's also, it's also, that word's also used to mean he's an advocate. You ever felt like you couldn't speak up for yourself? You needed somebody to speak up for you? He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll be your advocate. One translation calls him your standby. In other words, he's right here. If you ever need anything, he's right by you. Another translation calls him, he's our, he's our helper. He's our helper. I want to tell you something today. What I'm going to share with you, the Holy Spirit's coming to help us because what I'm going to talk about, we could not do in our own strength. But the Holy Spirit will help us. And watch this. This is so important. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not just coming to give you hope. He's coming to give you help. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit didn't come just to give us hope. He came to give us help. In every aspect of our life, he came to give us help. 
So here's where I want to speak from. I want you to open your Bibles. I hope you got your Bibles. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to begin to read in verse number 41 through 47. It's the last part of Acts chapter 2. We've been in this entire chapter for the last five or six weeks. And here's the the last week we're going to be there. It says, and those who accepted his message were baptized. How many of you know you never respond to a message until you accept it? There's a lot of people that hear messages but don't receive them. But when you receive them, it brings action in your life. They accepted his message and were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Somebody shout 3,000. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I want you to remember those things because I'm going to come back to those four things. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice in verse 44, It said all the believers were together. Verse 46, they continued to meet together. They ate together because everything they did was meant to have a corporate effect. I'm believing today that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us from this passage of Scripture something that is vital to where we are right now. Watch this. Don't miss this. The book of Acts... Watch this. The book of Acts is not so much prescriptive as it is descriptive. In other words, the book of Acts is a historical book of the New Testament. It's telling us what happened in the beginning days of the early church. It's not so much saying, you must do this, but it's saying, this is the nature, the DNA, the characteristics of people that were a part of this spirit-empowered church. This church that God birthed on Pentecost, this is the DNA of what they were like. It wasn't the perfect church because you, you don't go but two more chapters and you find out already they're having trouble. And if you read any of the rest of the New Testament, you find out every church had some kind of issue. But what he's saying is this is the DNA of people who carry the spirit-empowered church. And in the process of it, He begins to show them that they have, what's this? They have habits that are part of that new heart. Because Ezekiel said, when the Holy Spirit comes and when the new covenant comes, he said, I used to write my law on stony tablets. Remember when Moses got the Ten Commandments, the finger of God wrote them on a tablet of stone carved out of a mountain. But he said, I'm no longer going to write my Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. Do you know what? That means if they take the Ten Commandments off every courthouse in America, they're still not going to remove the the precepts of God. Because he said, I'm no longer going to write them on stony tablets. I'm going to write them on men and women's hearts. I'm going to write them on the fleshly hearts of men and women. It's easy for me to leave my Bible at home while I'm out doing things that are not pleasing to God. And when I don't see my Bible, I don't think about it. But how many of you know when it's written on, when your Bible is written here on your heart, then if I'm at the store and tell somebody off, All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit in me says, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't how you act as a Christian. So he said, I'm going to give you habits of the heart that are going to be a part of your DNA 
as a spirit-empowered believer. Listen to me. This is what it looks like to be a spirit-empowered believer. And he said the first part of your DNA is this, is that you'll devote yourself, and you'll devote yourself to teaching and instruction. How many of you know it takes the Holy Spirit to do that? Most, I, I met a man one time, he told me, he said, you know what, Bishop? He said, I, I hadn't read or studied a book since I left high school. I said, we can tell. How many of you know there's some things you don't need to say and advertise, people pick it up on their own? Come on, the truth of the matter is, if there's not a, the Spirit of God working in us, there's no real desire to want to learn or grow or, or have information added to our lives. But your future is dependent on what you know. The book of Hosea says it this way, my people perish, not because they don't have a house, a job, or a choir. My people perish because they don't have knowledge. There's something they're missing that they need. And the Bible says that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they allowed the Holy Spirit to constantly give them revelation. He comes to help us understand the truth of God's Word. Do you understand something? Listen to me closely today. I can preach Jesus, but only the Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus. That's why there are people that sit in a church for years upon end, listen to the Bible be taught, and don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because everything about a personal relationship and everything about being acquainted with the truth of the Word of God comes through the Holy Spirit. The one amazing thing, I've been all over the world, I've watched people with holy books in India that, that Hindus hold. I've seen, I've seen people in Muslim nations hold the Quran and say, that's the Bible. The only thing that we are privileged to have is while this book, there's nothing, this is, this, is, this is a Bible, but the difference between this book and every other religious book is the author of this book is still alive. The one who wrote it can still interpret it because it's written by the Holy Spirit. So he said they were devoted to being taught because they were devoted to receiving revelation and understanding, watch this, that truth comes into my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what the, let me tell you what the apostles' teaching was. The apostles' teaching was is that the dead religion of the Old Testament was finished. That's over. The, the religion of works, the religion of having to perform, the religion of having to prove yourself acceptable to God, the apostles stood up and said, hold on a minute. There's no longer going to be need for lambs to be brought every Passover. There's no longer going to be need for us to wave the sheaves of the first harvest at Pentecost. There's no longer going to be needs for us to go and build tabernacles hoping one day our Messiah has come because this Jesus, this is what Peter said in Acts 2, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead and made him to be both Christ and Lord. That means everything from a dead religious program is finished. And the teaching of the apostles was now everything flows to you and I in Christ. That's why the challenge for me when I came to Christ, the challenge for me was you need to make sure that you learn God's ways because they're not my ways. They're God's ways. I'm born again in my spirit, but I have to learn how to walk out his ways. I, don't, I didn't do that overnight. When you get born again, you have to learn to walk in the ways of the Lord. And you do that by receiving instruction.
John 17, 17, here's what Jesus said. This is his prayer. He's praying to the Father. He said, Father, I pray that you will sanctify them with the truth. The word sanctify means set them apart, clean them up, clean their life up, separate them from the world, make them look different. Listen, if the Christians in America don't look any different than the people in the world, no wonder the world's confused. When the world is angry, we ought to be at peace. When the world's wanting to get hatred in their hearts, we ought to be the most loving people in the world. So he said, Father, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to sanctify them. But here's how you do it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Don't miss what I'm about to say. If you ever remove this Bible from being your standard for living, then there'll be no plumb line that'll know how to call you in order and out of order. Because truth is not what I say it is. Truth is not what you say it is. Truth is what God says it is. So he said, sanctify them by truth. Colossians 2.6 says this. He said, I want you as you receive Christ, so I want you to continue in him. Watch this. I want you to be rooted. I want you to be built up. I want you to be strengthened. He said, the way you get rooted and built up and strengthened is you do that by being taught the Word of God. Could it be, could it be that the storms that have come against your life have shaken you the way they've shaken you? Simply because there's something more you need to learn about who you are in Christ and who He is in you. It takes the Holy Spirit for me to discover that. I know a lot of people have been in church a long, long time and still don't have any revelation about who they are in Christ and who he is in them. So the part of the DNA is I have an appetite to be taught, to be instructed the word of God. Second thing he said is this, they devoted themselves to community or to fellowship. That seems so simple. They devoted themselves to community, to fellowship. Listen to me closely. Relationships are the most important thing in your life. The single greatest contributor to your life's advancement will always be the relationships in your life. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20 says, if you want to be a wise man, then walk with wise people. You know what that means? That means, in other words, your life will evolve into the atmosphere you continue to stay in. I'm going to try that one more time. Your life will evolve into the atmosphere of people you continue to, to hang out with. Whoever you hang with, you become like. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, don't you know? He said, be, don't be deceived. Be careful about this. Bad company corrupts corrupts good morals corrupts good minds corrupts great potential listen relationships matter in your life here's why because your purpose demands it your peace requires it your productivity will be blessed by it my life is richer because of people that are on this platform and people that are part of this house and people that God put in my life and that fellowship caused me to be strengthened I realize today a lot of people believe it doesn't really matter 
I can just sort of hang out at McDonald's or go to Starbucks or I can go sit by a tree and live my life with Jesus. That's not what, that's not what the early church thought. The early church says the DNA that's in me by the Spirit is that I'm committed. I'm devoted to fellowship. Don't miss what I'm about to say. We belong to each other through Him and because we are in Him. I'm going to say it one more time. We belong to each other through Him and because we are in him. Let me tell you what that means. That means that most of us on this platform may not have ever been together if it hadn't been for him. Do you realize that? But because of him, Ashley's from the Bahamas, Tim was born in Suriname or in the Netherlands, David's from North Carolina, she's from Oklahoma, Cole's from South Carolina. Eva's from Georgia. Wow. We got the whole world right here on the platform. How did we find each other? We found each other in him and through him. We don't all, we don't all have the same taste. We don't all have the same, same things that we all agree on. But you know what makes us family? It's because we are through him and we're in him. Because in Christ, all I see is Jesus on these people. I don't, I don't see anything else. I see Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means I don't have to create unity. I don't have to create oneness. I don't even have to create, hold on to your seat. I don't even have to create reconciliation. Jesus did it all. He at the cross did it all. What I have to do is participate in it and walk in it. And as a believer, if I walk in what he's done, I will live the fruit of what he's accomplished. Whoa. Ephesians 2.14 says this, He is our peace, who through the cross has made the two groups to be one. He destroyed the barriers, the dividing walls of hostility. He took them out of the way. Do you know why, do you know why the Bible calls us citizens of the kingdom? We have our citizenship in the kingdom. You want to know why? We're all citizens of the same kingdom because we have the same king. Do do you know what? We're all called the temple of the Holy Ghost. You want to know why? Because we all have the same foundation. You couldn't have a temple built on five or six different foundations. You can't build a foundation on your opinion and your neighborhood and your educational background and your thoughts about things. That foundation with the house would crumble. But when we all say, my foundation is Jesus, upon this rock I'm built and upon this rock I'll stand, then we all can be the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you know what? We're called the family of God. Do you want to know why? Because we've got the same daddy. We've got the same daddy. And Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, made this statement 16 times in one book that only has five chapters. 16 times he made the statement, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Do you know why? Because Thessalonica is in the north of Greece. It was Gentiles. Paul was a Jew. Most of what we have as division, we created. It's arbitrary. We judge people by skin color, educational background, money, looks, thin, fat, pretty, ugly, 
Come on, tell the truth. You know what I'm talking about. There's certain people you just don't want to be in a relationship with because you don't think they look the part. So all those things are arbitrary. If I judge people by their skin color, if I judge them by their background, their educational background, that's my arbitrary judgment that I put on them. God didn't do that. We don't have multiple races of people. We have a human race. If we didn't have a human race, we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to intermarry and procreate if we were multiple different species. So we're not that. We're one race of people, but we have arbitrarily put things on people that Jesus took away. But the one thing Jesus himself, God himself put on people was the division between Gentiles and Jews. And really to the New Testament, that means this, the separation between light and darkness, between saved and lost. God said the only kind of people in the world are saved people and lost people. The only kind of people in Oklahoma City today are people that are in covenant with God and people that are out of covenant with God. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to break down everything that separates you from being in relationship. And I'm going to say, come on, brothers. Come on, sisters. Am I doing okay? Listen to me. If you're serious about taking your life to another level, then you need to get serious about taking your relationships to another level. He said they were together daily. Wow. You know what? When I was, when I was first born again, when I gave my life to Christ in college, I went to a church, and of course in those days we had Sunday morning, Sunday night meetings. And the thing that made me grow so much in Jesus was that as soon as Sunday night service was over, a bunch of college-age kids... We all went out to the Denny's and we hung out for two or three hours. Not talking about foolishness, but really actually talking to each other and caring for each other and watching for each other and talking about what happened at church and talking about the word and building ourselves up. And I found myself in an environment of people, a community of believers that gave me protection from the things I was struggling to break free from and gave me encouragement to keep going when I felt like giving up. Can I say today, many people, I've watched many, many people fall by the wayside in their faith, particularly the more they got disconnected from the fellowship of saints. The more the enemy can isolate you, the more he can take you out. Because the spirit-empowered church has the DNA of saying, together, we're better. Together, we're better. That brings me to my next point. He said not only were they devoted to the instruction and devoted to fellowship, that fellowship means mutual benefit. That means Eva gets benefit by being in relationship with me. I get benefit by being in relationship with her and Cole. My life is better because of that. It's mutual stuff. Listen, if you find somebody in your life that all they do is take, 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 you better not hang out with them continually because if you do, you're going to run out of gas. you got to find people that there's a mutual relationship. They pour back as much as you pour in. I learned as a mentor a long time ago, I want to make sure, am I pouring into a sponge or am I pouring into a rock? Because all a rock will do, it'll roll off them and, and go into the earth. But a sponge, I can, I can push on it and it'll pour back out some stuff. So he said they're devoted to instruction, they're devoted to fellowship, they're devoted to breaking of bread. Here's what I want to ask you today. Who's at your table? 
That's not, he wasn't just talking about communion. He was talking about a meal they shared together. Could it be that the greatest thing we can do as believers is learn to hang out and eat? To enjoy each other. Quit being so religious and act like everything in the world is so weighty. To me, that's one of the great tragedies of this pandemic is that people can't go out and eat together. They can't be together. That's why I believe hell wants to keep people separated. But I'm believing God's raising up a church that says, my table is open. You know what? I can tell who your friends are by who comes to your table. Who comes to your table? I think we need to restore the table. Maybe your neighbors need to come to your table. But really, maybe other believers. What would happen in our all-white neighborhoods if you started to inviting some of your black brothers and sisters to your table? What would happen in our all-black neighborhoods if you started inviting some of your white brothers and sisters to the table? The table is the place where all of that stuff begins to break. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And finally, they were devoted to prayer. Only the Holy Spirit can make me break bread with people. Because anybody that's, that's hurt me, disadvantaged me, I don't want them at my table. But the Holy Spirit can help me. Say, bring them to the table. And only the Holy Spirit can help me pray. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26 through 28, it says when we don't know what to pray for. He didn't say we didn't know how to pray. He said we didn't know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit will pray through me. He'll make intercession through me. And watch this. He searches my heart and he searches the will of God. And the places that my heart needs to be adjusted, he begins to adjust my desires so that the end result is all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. As he's getting ready to sing, we're going to sing an old song. And it basically said this, Lord, prepare me. Prepare me to be a sanctuary. Prepare me to be a place where you dwell. If that happens, I want to know more about you. One of the reasons the Gate Church exists is so that people can know God. How do I get to know Him? He gave me His Word. I get to know Him. I get to spend my life with other people that give me mutual benefit. I get to break bread. When I don't even know how or what to pray, He prays through me. Let's sing this song and then I'm going to pray. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving. I'll be a living 
sanctuary Come on, right there at your house. Wherever you are, why don't you just lift both hands and make this a prayer. Lord, prepare me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true and with thanksgiving I'll be a for you today. I'm believing the Holy Spirit will work in your life. And here's what I'm going to pray for. That everything that you need information, wisdom, revelation about, the Holy Spirit will begin to download into your heart. And I'm going to pray that every place you may feel like you want to isolate and run and get away from people, that God will break down those barriers and that you'll be a part of a community of faith. Listen, if you don't have a local church, you can't live off of national famous preachers. You need sometimes Jesus to show up in flesh. You need somebody to walk into your life. I'm going to pray today that God will do that. Just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me as Ashley was singing that there's some people today going to sow significant seeds. In fact, I've never done this in any of our online services, but I'm going to obey the Lord. He said there's somebody waiting on a breakthrough, and the Lord's already told you if you'll sow the $5,000 seed that he spoke to you about, the door's going to open. The contract you're looking for is going to come to you. I don't know who I'm talking to. I've never done that in my life. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, you tell them to give today. Because their seed is going to make a way for them. But I want to pray for you. Father, I pray today in Jesus' name. I thank you that wherever people are right now, Holy Spirit, you're the revealer of truth. And I pray that you download into their lives and into their spirit the very thing they need for the breakthrough at this moment. Lord, you just spoke to me about a business person that they're waiting on a contract. I pray that multiple people listening to my voice, you will download to them right now by revelation the truth that they need in order to walk in the destiny you've prepared for them. I pray today in Jesus' name that you'll teach us to not withdraw from people but to be drawn together. I pray that our fellowship would be sweet and I pray that it would be mutual benefit, mutually beneficial that our lives will be increased, enlarged, and made better because together we're better. I pray today, Jesus, that you'll break down all the walls that separate people. You'll cause us to live in your peace. I pray for people today that are away from you. I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you'll speak to them. You'll draw them to Christ. If you don't know Jesus personally, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say it out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you're alive today. And I'm asking you, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord. 
be my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. If you just prayed that prayer across the bottom of the screen, they're going to give you instructions on what to do. If you'll send or text or send an email, I want to send you a book right away. It's called Fresh Start. How do I get a fresh start? How do I get a fresh start in being connected to people? How do I get a fresh start at looking at this book in a way I've never seen it before? It's the DNA of the Spirit-empowered church. I want to ask you today to get ready to give. I want you to prepare your tithe. Thank you for being faithful. I know many of you are away this weekend, but listen to me closely. Just because you're away, God just wants you and I to continue to be faithful. I don't want to take what's God's and take it with me on vacation. I want to make sure God is honored. He's the king of my life. He's the source of my life. So wherever you are today, there's multiple ways you can give. Online, you can text to give. You can actually mail it in or drop it off by the office next week. Whatever God says to you. But I want you to be obedient. I'm going to say one more time. The Lord spoke to me. There's somebody that's needing a door to open. And God said, your $5,000 seed's about to open your door in a significant way. Father, bless today. Businessmen, businesswomen, families, homes. I pray for people today that need a job. I'm asking you to give them a job, a better job than they ever had. I'm asking you to provide for every family today. Bless this and receive our gifts today as we give in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As Ashley sings us out of here, I just want to say to you, have an incredible weekend. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you. May he shine his grace and favoring on all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. your presence Lord oh and I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord, oh, and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord. It's your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit.
Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. It's your presence, Lord. Oh, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. You're welcome here, God. We say yes to you, God. Come and do what you want to do. We say yes to you.